This is producer Matt with a quick note before we start your episode. The podcast you're about to listen to sounds a little rough. This is because of a recording issue we had in studio, so please bear with us. We will be getting that audio quality back up to par in no time. Thanks. Well, good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to another installment in our series on infant baptism. I'm Pastor Brandon Neely, and this is a Christchurch Media presentation. I am, unfortunately, all by myself again today, but I think I'm going to be able to make it. This is episode 14, and today our title is Consecrated to God. The children of believers are not common. They are consecrated to God. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But first, let me read for you from our passage. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. What are the children of unbelievers called? Clean and holy. You see, God has set our children apart. They are for a special purpose. Though they don't always live up to it, God has consecrated them. This setting apart for a special purpose, setting them apart to God, that's what we call the word consecrate. They are consecrated. The children of believers are consecrated. Therefore, now listen to this, they are in a more blessed state. They have a blessed status. They are not for common use. They are not outsiders. They've been consecrated. You know, when uh, your family comes over or special friends come over, you might reach into the cupboard and pull out the old ancestral china. These aren't the dishes you serve hot dogs at a picnic with. with. These are special. These are consecrated. This is china meant for a unique purpose. They've been set apart. Or if you're a basketball player, you don't practice in your game jersey. You know the game jersey is special. It's saved for special purposes. Or if you're a very good basketball player, you might have your number consecrated or set apart and hung in the rafters, retired. Or perhaps you have an expensive bottle of wine, a hundred or two hundred dollar bottle of wine. You don't just have that out on the counter for cooking. That's not what you make chicken marsala with. No, that's set apart and save for a very special occasion. Same with a, a, a special bottle of bourbon or a great cigar. You see, the Old Testament was filled with this concept of being set apart. Israel was a consecrated nation. Abraham was consecrated. And the children of Abraham were also consecrated as well. Makes sense? The Old, the Old Testament understood this concept, but unfortunately... In modern-day evangelicalism and in America, the idea of consecration is lost on us. Now, if a child forsakes the promise, well, they're going to stand under greater wrath. To whom much is given, much is to be expected. They will be under, in fact, a special curse. Not everyone who is Israel is Israel. Nevertheless, they are set apart. The children of believers have always been consecrated. All the way back to Abel? Through the children of Abraham, the children of David, the children and household of Noah, the children of believers have always been consecrated. Genesis 17.10, 
This is my covenant which you have shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, we can't get into the reason why the men were circumcised, and in the New Testament, both men and women are baptized, but we'll save that for another podcast. But you can see right here that Abraham is given the sign of the covenant and that all of his children are now especially set apart. They are consecrated, and the sign of that, the sign of the covenant, but a sign of their consecration, is circumcision. We know not all of them lived up to that, Esau and Ishmael, but they were set apart. In Noah, the whole family is set apart and saved in the ark. In Moses, the whole family is baptized through the Red Sea. That's what Paul tells us. He tells us everyone was baptized in the sea and in the cloud, and they all ate from that that, that Lord's table with the manna from heaven and the water which came from the rock, and that rock was Christ. Moses considered the, the, um, you know, the downside of following Christ and the people of Christ to be greater gain than all the riches of Egypt. You see, Moses was a Christian. Noah was a Christian. Abraham was a Christian. Paul said that the gospel was preached to Abraham, that Abraham, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, even believed in the resurrection and received back his son from the dead as a type. Now, they didn't have the reality, they had the types, but they believed the gospel, they trusted in the Messiah, they were Christians, and they were set apart, and so were their children. And this is very important. Listen carefully to this. Nothing in the New Testament ever abrogates this way of God working. Nothing. Not a single verse. Hold up a blank sheet of paper and you will read on it all the verses that now say that children are excluded from God's covenantal succession plan. Nope, the piece of paper will be blank because nowhere in the Bible does it say that God no longer acts like this. Now, some might say that the offspring of Abraham are a type, like circumcision is a type. Like the seed of Abraham, singular, is a type of Christ. Well, where in the Bible does it tell us the meaning of the sign of children of believers? Where does it interpret that for us? What do the children of believers signify as a type or a sign? They don't point to anything because they're not a sign. Children of believers are consecrated. This doesn't mean they're elect, necessarily. We can't know that. It doesn't mean that they will have faith at the age of two or one or in the womb like John the Baptist. We don't know precisely the time when they will be gifted with the gift of faith, but they have the promise. They are set apart. And if they believe, they will be forgiven. They will be washed symbolically with water in baptism. This is why households are baptized in the New Testament. How else do you explain that? How else do you explain that every time a head of household is baptized numerous times, the whole household is baptized? But we don't know if those households had children. Well, households were very large back then. The idea that they didn't have a child is rather, you know, you know, impossible to believe, honestly. But even if they didn't have a child, that's irrelevant. The point isn't whether or not they had an infant. The point is that the household was baptized. The promise went to the household that God sets apart households, that he deals with households through the heads, and that if a child had the status of heir, then even while he was a child, he was an owner of all things, Galatians 4.1, and he would receive the sign of that. You see, only God can take away from his word. We're not allowed to take away from his word, and nowhere in his word does it say anything about the children of believers being cut off, being outsiders, 
being like the pagan nations. No, they have always been special, blessed. They have promises. They are consecrated. They receive the promises of the new covenant. If you're a child born to a believer, you are not born in Adam in the same way. You are born to a family, and Christ holds you close to his bosom as a little lamb. This is how we understand passages like Jesus blessing the little children. Some of them were infants. He blessed them. He didn't say, come back to me after you have a credible profession of faith. He even said, for such are the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 19.14. This is why Jesus said, out of the mouth of babes you have ordained praise. Jesus honored the praise of babies. You have hidden this from adults, but revealed it to little children. We are to become like little children, not become more adult-like. The children of believing parents, Paul says, are clean and holy. Matthew 18, 6, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Look, if you read the red letters, read the words of Jesus Christ as it pertains to children, you will see time and time again that they are sacred, that they are set apart, that they are covenant members. They are members of the covenant community. Every place in the old covenant in the Old Testament period when the prophets would foretell of the New Testament times and all of the men and women and children and infants being gathered, the infants were always numbered among the members of the church. In the book of Ephesians, Paul calls them saints. He even says children obey your parents in the Lord, and if they do obey them, they will receive the promise of uh, having their life go well for them in the land, which is a type of the new heavens and new earth, and that is the first commandment with a promise. Mentioned in the Mosaic administration, I might add. In John, he writes to little children because they know the Father. Paul says, once again, if you have an unbelieving spouse, stay married. Otherwise, your children will be unholy. But if you stay holy, if you stay married, your children are holy. They are clean. Now, what could possibly Paul mean if what I'm talking about is not true? No, he has the same Old Testament categories that everyone else had, he understood that the children of believers are consecrated. They are clean. They are holy. They are not unclean and common. They are not unholy and unset apart. This is an indisputable fact from the text of Scripture. Now, um, someone might push back and say, well, how can they be holy? Well, you see, Paul isn't referring to moral performance. He's not referring to regeneration. They are still sinners. They're fallen infants. They will be saved by grace through faith like everyone else. But holy doesn't necessarily mean morally perfect. Holy means set apart. It means consecrated. It means they're not common any longer. It means they have a special status. They're in a new category. Listen to the things that are holy in the New Testament. There's the holy place. That means it's not like other places. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. There's the holy city, Jerusalem. There's holy angels as opposed to the demons. There's Jesus. He's holy. The holy prophets. God's covenant is holy. The Holy Spirit. Holy first fruits. The Bible is holy. It's not just any old book. There's a holy kiss as opposed to a common greeting or a romantic or social kiss. This is a holy, consecrated kiss meant only for the members of the church community. There's holy brothers, holy women. These are members of the church as opposed to natural brothers. 
There's the holy priesthood. We're a holy nation. There's a holy mountain, a holy lifestyle. There's saints, the holy ones. Children are called holy. The children of believers are called holy. They are set apart. This cannot be missed. We must not miss this. Don't give your holy things to the dogs. Don't throw your pearls before swine. The little children are set apart to God as pearls. They are not like other children. They are covenant kids. Don't miss this beautiful promise, this beautiful aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can they be clean, you might ask? We've seen how they can be holy. doesn't mean morally perfect. doesn't mean regenerate. means set apart. means members of the covenant community, though they haven't necessarily activated their faith yet. Well, how can they be clean, though? Because they have sin. Well, the New Testament uses the word clean in three ways. If we want to understand what it means to be clean, what Paul means when he says that the children of believers are clean, um, we've got to look to the New Testament. And it's used in three ways. One, outwardly clean, like a clean sheet. Jesus' dead body was wrapped in a clean sheet. There's inwardly clean, that is a clean heart. Clean of the blood of all men, morally clean. And then there's ritually clean. You know, the Pharisees washed the outside of the cup. Go figure, right? You'd think you'd wash the inside of the cup. They washed the outside of the cup to make it clean because they were, they were concerned with being ritually clean. Now, that wasn't wrong in the Torah time period, but their obsession with the outward ritual cleanness, um, they, they, they held that obsession um, to the exclusion of true inward cleanness, which ritual cleanness is just a sign. The conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees was all about ritual cleansing, about what it meant to be kosher. They would only eat clean things. In John 13.10, Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. You see, Judas, it wasn't that he was stinky, that he didn't take baths. Jesus is making a play on words here between the two different meanings of clean. He's using outward cleanness, like taking a bath, as a symbol for inward cleanness. The disciples were inwardly clean because Jesus had washed them by his Spirit, but occasionally they would need to confess their sins and to have their feet washed from their daily activities. So Jesus kind of shifts the meaning there. You see, clean in the Bible is talking about kosher or Ritual cleanness, very often, that's what Paul means when he says the children of believers are clean. He doesn't necessarily mean that they've taken a good bath the night before, and he doesn't mean that they're morally regenerated, not yet. It means that they're set apart, they're consecrated to a special purpose. 2 Corinthians 6.17, touch not the unclean thing. You see, the world outside is unclean, it is common. What portion does a believer have with an unbeliever? Unbelievers are unclean, this is without dispute. He says the children of believers are clean. Unbelievers are unclean. Don't miss it. It's right there in the text. Titus 2.14 Christ has cleansed the people for his own possession, the church, the members of the church that Christ has called, they are cleansed. Paul calls the, the children of believers clean. Ephesians 5.25-26 He gave himself up for the church to make it holy, having cleansed it. The church is both holy and clean. Children of believers, holy and clean. Do you see the pattern here? The children of believers are members of the church. They are members of the new covenant. 
they are consecrated. They may not live up to that consecration and their wrath is greater, but they are indeed consecrated. Hebrews 10.22, we have hearts sprinkled, our body washed with clean water. And this is very important because Paul mentions in Hebrews that there is a connection between being ritually clean or consecrated to God as a child of a believer and being baptized. See it right there. John 3.22-26, the whole argument there is over baptisms being performed. It's all about cleansing because baptism is a symbol of the washing away of sin. Acts 22.16, the children are consecrated, they receive the sign of that consecration, which is baptism, and eventually, when they have faith, they receive the full baptism of the Spirit of God, and they are washed not only on the outside, but on the inside. Not just ritually clean, but morally clean. This is great stuff. Now, I'm going to close this whole podcast with what I believe to be the mic drop, the clincher, the textual... Um, the textual mic drop, let's say. I've already said that, but let's say it again, because it's really nearly impossible to wriggle out from under this. 1 Corinthians 7.14, children are clean and holy. That's what Paul said. Children of believers are clean and holy. But listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 4.7, Paul is talking to the church, and he says, For God has not called us for uncleanness, he has called us in holiness. Once again, the children of believers are clean and holy, and the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, is clean and holy. They've been called to cleanness and holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 12, as he continues the conversation, he says this, so that you, that is the church, may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So we know for sure that Paul is referring to the covenant community of the church he is calling them clean and holy, that God has called them to cleanness and to holiness, and that Paul, also the writer of 1 Corinthians, uses the exact same terms for the children of believers. If Paul, or the New Testament, wanted to abrogate what had always been the case for 4,000 years, that the children of Christians were in the covenant and received the covenant promises and received the sign of the covenant, if the New Testament wished to abrogate that, it has done a woefully terrible job of mentioning it. In fact, nowhere is it mentioned that the children no longer have status as church members, community covenant members. Nowhere does it say they are not consecrated. They are indeed consecrated, and they should receive the sign of that consecration, which is baptism. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>